You're listening to the Friends Stalking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Stalking Nerdy! If your friends are nerdy and you are nerdy too, I want to talk to you. Friends Stalking Nerdy! Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is the misanthropic recluse Tim Jousma, and joining me all the way in the land of Chowda, it's the Reverend Tracy. How you doing? I am doing well. I, I think Chowda has been ruined for me just because of Big Mouth, though. Like, and it's funny because you know, chowder is actually a very prominent local dish here, but I can't hear the word chowder without thinking these bowls of chowda from uh, Andrew Glauberman. But yeah, things are good. You know what? I was an adult this week. I did my taxes. Actually, the Mr. Reverend and I both did our taxes because, you know, you do that together. So it feels good to just kind of rip that Band-Aid off and get it over with. Right. It's really annoying, but we just went to H&R Block. It's like, sure, just, just take care of it. I don't want to think about it. Um, I've moved from, you know, state to state this year, mm. which was a big thing or this last year during 2021. And I think what I've learned is that anytime you move uh, like mid-year like that, it might not be the worst idea to go to a tax professional. And I say that because when I moved from Texas up to Oregon, I got, or no, from Texas to Arizona, I wound up getting audited like two or three years after the fact. And it was so fucking stressful. I mean, Tim, you and I both kind of talk a lot about like that social anxiety shit and how Mm. you can get it in your head. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to get arrested for tax fraud somehow. Like that was totally where my brain went to. It was just nauseating. I had to handle it myself. So now I just I've gotten into the practice. If I make a major move or something, I'm just going to let a professional do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you've moved states a few times, you just kind of develop practices. So I talked to Mr. Reverend into splurging and had somebody awesome help us at H&R Block. So uh, yeah, tax season, guys. If you do it early enough, it's not as much of a pain in the ass. So uh, the good Reverend just wanted to take a second to make a spiel about taxes and being a responsible adult feels good. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tim? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Um, yeah, had a good recording uh, this past week with the Reverend on Hump Day, and uh, we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Something that I always gets me pissed off every time uh, they announce the new nominations because none of my favorite bands ever get voted in. <laughs> well, you said the Reverend, but I think you mean the Professor. Oh, right? the because Professor. I, yeah. I, unless I'm like doing things in my sleep now, that I didn't record that with you. And if I did, please let me know if I've developed another personality. <laughs> Uh, I should just make sure that I nip that in the bud. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, maybe that's because I've used a little too much of the topic that we're going to talk about this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that could have also been a good joke there if I had thought about it. It's a good thing I don't do comedy professionally. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, for folks who heard the show, you know why. Anyway. <laughs> We are going to talk about some marijuana this week. Now, um, but to, to start off, I want to ask, how did you come across marijuana? What's your first memory of marijuana? 
Okay, so I was a dare kid in Texas, right? So raised in Texas, super anti-drug state. And I was pretty much like an anti-drug kid. Like I drank alcohol, but I never did anything until like kind of into college. Ironically, I was at Lubbock Christian University Uh the first time anybody ever offered me any. And um, I remember it was so fucking stereotypical. It was behind a it was like behind a dumpster in a back alley, like a few blocks away from our school. And like, it just, it was really funny. I hit like all of the stereotypes. I was laying in the backseat of my car because, you know, it was the first time I'd ever done it. And these other people who were with me had done it before. Mm -hmm. And so we were not planning on me driving afterwards because, you know, you could try things responsibly if you talk to people about it. So they drove me back and I just remember the entire time I was paranoid as shit. I was convinced every set of headlights was a cop and that we were about to get pulled over. And I would outline the story every time, like, just cause remember I'm over 21. So like, you just tell them that I'm drunk back here. Just don't, I don't want to look at them. (laughs) And you know, they kept telling me it's like, this is, you're fine. These are not, that's an SUV. Like it's not a cop car, but you know, I was like (laughs) paranoid. And then, like, I remember having these potato chips that the person told me, like, these are going to be the best thing you've eaten tonight, and they're going to taste horrible tomorrow. Uh. And that was actually exactly how that went down. Like, I couldn't get enough of them. And then the next morning, I tried, I was like, oh, my God, these are so bad. You, I, I ate, like, half the bag. And I still don't remember what they were. I just remember that that's what happened. Uh. And then I also remember at one point uh, – with they were trying to ask me for my phone number because they realized they didn't have it and uh, you know this is before like facebook messenger and all of the ways you could contact somebody on their phone and so i'm like trying to get my phone number out and saying the numbers was just silly to me like it was the most hilarious thing and i just kept laughing so hard that the person was just like just never mind i'll ask you tomorrow (laughs) you're gonna sleep this off on my couch anyway so don't worry about it so yeah, that was that was my first experience with it ever. So that being said, I was over 21. So that's uh-huh. honestly kind of late for a lot of people that I know. A lot of folks I knew at least tried it beforehand. Yeah. Well, I was a little on the late side myself, but um, I tried it at 19. And it was when I was, uh, in, excuse me, a, a theater major back in my initial days in college and uh, back in the day. And um, I remember it, it was a, uh, it was an after party for like the first show uh, that, that we did that I was stage manager of. And uh, we went to this guy's house, the guy's house. He was a a cast member and he uh, made like a wine and cheese party, you know, whatever. I was 19 to me, that was sophisticated. (laughs) And we did that. (laughs) And um, you know, he had a bong, took the bong out, put it in. And um, you know, we were all smoking. And what I remember most specifically, there was another cast member. um, She had, uh, you know, this was like the mid nineties. She had gone back to college. She was in her fifties. And at the party, she talked about uh, in, in the sixties, she lived in London and apparently she knew um, uh, the girlfriend of a member of the Rolling Stones who died. 
died. Now, what's important here is that the person who ended up dying was uh, the guitar player and the founder of the Rolling Stones, the guitarist, Brian Jones. But this woman who said she lived in London, who was friends with this woman, kept on saying it was the drummer. And I'm like, no, the drummer is very much alive. And we just got into like this 40 minute argument. <laughs> I mean, I was right. I was right. But like we got into this argument and, and I blame the weed. You know, just you know, just like I was just so focused, like on 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 trying to be right. And uh, anyway, anyway, that was my introduction. I didn't really start using it on a regular basis until you you got me addicted on uh, to this on a regular basis. So. Well, now we're going to preface a lot of this because it took me a lot to get to the point of using it medically. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a difference between using it recreationally and using it medically. So that I use it recreationally, yeah. And also, there's a medical implement to it. We've talked about anxiety and stuff on the show. And I just, I mean, I, I can't say how I came off early on when we were together, but I felt pretty sure that at that point I was like, yeah, medically, like, this is great. You could take some gummies and then you could sleep really well, like, if that's something you struggle with. Because there's a lot of things that, well, it also does tend to make other things fun, too, if you do use it recreationally. Yeah. Um, but also, it's great for sleep. And I remember that was something that I learned early on about you is that sometimes you struggled with sleeping yep so you know yeah there's medical use and then there is recreational use sorry i just don't want the i can't live in a world that believes that i am like a party drug influencer because i'm not that exciting guys um, you don't remember july 4th of 2017 then? no probably not <laughs> yeah we bought uh like a 10 pack of gummies took like half of them each and then went down to the waterfront for the festival that they had and recorded it for facebook oh yeah okay i do remember doing that yeah. but like that's not my every weekend no 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 i was not saying that <laughs> okay so I was, I was like i don't know i just felt the need to clarify guys like just for realistic sake like i'm not a party drug person and mm. i think we even talked about like how i've done other things like i'm i've tried you know acid before but you know you can try things and do things and it not be like to that unhealthy overuse level and i say that because they are going to mention being addicted like some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about today and some of the articles we wanted to go over and maybe kind of like pull some quotes from it talks about like the potential for being addicted and what that can mean or like abusing something um and things like that so yeah yeah because what yeah i mean what we wanted to do today in talking about marijuana is you know we do want to relate some fun stories of experiences we had of course but also kind of go through and talk about some of the major issues that people talk about with that now uh you found a wonderful article on a website called procon.org tell the folks about it yeah, so really what we wanted to try to talk about today, and I do want to also go into some of our personal opinions on uh, how we feel about this one question really quick, is do we legalize it? Should it be legalized? Should it be recreationally legalized? Should it be just medically legalized? Or should we not do this at all? Um, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone that I don't think either one of us feels that we shouldn't do anything. Um, that we should continue to let it be illegal because, I mean, and that's mostly just for reasons that I personally, I feel like the war on drugs has kind of failed and that there should be other ways to deal with it that's not making it illegal in the punishment cycle, especially with our 
jail and prison system, not especially being geared towards rehabilitation, but tends to more be geared to a likelihood of recidivism. So I'm not for keeping it illegal, but I honestly have questions of should it be recreationally legal or just medically. And that was something that I personally wanted to talk about. Tim was super interested in going into it as well. And I, lo and behold, happened to find an article that I think was great. It's, uh, what did I say? It was by, I have to scroll up or maximize this. It was a Britannica. There we go. I had it minimized, guys, because uh, I try to keep Tim on the screen. So I feel like I'm talking to a human. I don't do good talking to myself, (laughs) feeling like I'm talking to myself. But uh, so, yeah, so I was able to find this article that kind of did that. I thought it was kind of interesting at a glance because it'll have like pro number one and con number one. And they're related, but sometimes it's contradicting and it's referencing studies. So we'll share this. Um, We're probably not going to cover all of it because that would just be here reading pro number one and then all of this stuff, but just rather letting it drive mine and Tim's conversation. And then just some interesting stuff that I came across while I was researching for my own opinion to be formed. So I don't know, what are your thoughts? Do you think it should be, again, I'm going to throw it out there because it's an option, completely illegal, medically legal, or fully, which I mean, recreationally and medically legal? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've made any secret on the show. It should be fully. Um, I don't think it should be legalized. I think it needs to be decriminalized. Um, it is a drug. As with any drug, there are drawbacks for excessive use on it. And, you know, for people that abuse it in terms of using it and then driving, getting into an accident or people that use it at work, but they happen to drive a forklift and cause an accident throw the stiffest punishments at them. I would say the same thing for people that drink on the job or something like that. But I, I, you know, I think the evidence is out there, what evidence we've been able to get, and we'll go into that. um, I think the evidence is out there that, you know, marijuana is no more harmful than alcohol and can some way, and in a lot of ways has some benefits. So making it illegal in any way is, is just absolutely ridiculous. Right. And I, I understand that one, too, because as far as I've known, and been, I mean, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but I don't believe there is any therapeutic or medical use for alcohol. But yet a lot of the arguments against making weed legal has been traditionally like stuff that you can also be guilty of under alcohol that is legal. So it's something that I remember being some of the first questions I asked myself to get out of the dare mindset. Right. Because especially being where I was from, you know, I've changed a lot politically speaking on how I feel about things and even about like, especially like weed. Right. Like I remember when I went to Arizona. Now I'm going to preface this. I had a neck injury in high school. So that means all the way from 2003 until sometime when I lived in Arizona. So after 2009, um, that was the first time I had been introduced to it medically speaking, like that you could use it medically. And I had a friend that had rheumatoid arthritis really bad. So they had a medical card. I had neck pain and mm-hmm. was in a pain condition. So it was funny was, is even though I didn't really use marijuana, like even recreational, like I did it once or twice, but I didn't use it on a regular basis because I just always kind of felt that would be irresponsible um, because of everything I'd been taught really. <clears throat> so they were trying to grow for the new Arizona 
medical allowances. So in the early days, it was very wild westy and you could buy someone's grow rights off of them because you could grow for yourself personally. But if you didn't want to grow for you, you could give your grow rights to somebody else to grow for you. And that allowed that person to then grow, you know, more and more weed or whatever. So I had no interest in using it, but because I had a pain issue, they said, hey, would you be one of my quote unquote patients? I will pay for your medical card in Arizona as long as you you just sign over your rights to me. It's fine. It just allows me to grow more. And by the way, if you ever do decide to like give it a try for that, let me know. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I was doing a favor for a friend of a friend. But the important thing is, is that's how I wound up with the card. And the card let me get into this kind of interesting solution the people of Arizona came with when I think it was Gabby Giffords at the time. Mm -hmm. She was fighting uh, the ability to open the medical marijuana dispensaries. Like it was basically impossible for any of the businesses to open. So something that wound up happening was like, well, you can donate to each other, but you cannot sell to each other like personally. Right. So the workaround people came up with was this awesome farmer's market where they just basically went to like Dollar Tree or whatever and just bought a bunch of shit. And you'd pay like $5 for this Dollar Tree lay and it came with like a furry prize. So depending on what things on the table you bought would determine what free prize you got, which could be like a gram or pre-rolls, et cetera. So they just like made this weird loophole work for them. So a friend convinced me to go, you know, she had rheumatoid arthritis. She knew I struggled with neck pain. And pretty much up until that day, I believed anybody who got medical cards were just like scamming the system so they could get high, like that it was just the dumbest thing I'd ever heard of. Uh-huh. And then this person let me put this rub on my neck. And that was the moment that my mind was able to kind of shift from a lot of the dare training that I had. Um, that was the first time I was like, wait, whoa, I think maybe there's something wrong with that because that's the least my neck has ever hurt. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of get into things later and you read that, you know, if you keep small levels in your system, it can help with things like anxiety and pain. Uh Um, There's a lot of promising stuff that I was reading before all of this research today about CBD. And now that can help a lot of people with anxiety and pain situations, which are two things that I deal with. Um, But that sometimes the CBD doesn't always help everybody for all pain types. And that just exists. And sometimes those people do need like more of that full spectrum ish of it that you can only get with some levels of THC being involved. So in my head, I wasn't sure how I felt about it being legalized recreationally, but I do agree with it being legalized medically, but more so being taken seriously medically, um, just because that's the thing that I feel is kind of lacking, right? Like even going back to getting my first card, that was a joke. Uh, the the doctor, like even his name was a joke. Um, it was Dr. Reefer Al's ALZ. And he had a joint like in the logo of his name. And your look on your face is amazing. I was like, when I looked this person up and that this was the closest option for me to get my card, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And it definitely didn't help my mentality of anybody doing this was just doing it to get high, like to get permission to get high. 
Did he did he go to Hollywood Upstairs Medical College? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, he was actually, you know, mostly professional. Like when I saw it, like it, it, I mean, he was professional. It just he didn't really seem to care if I actually needed it or not. It felt very check in the box. There we go. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, he's like, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? And I wasn't even saying full yeses anymore. Like I was just going uh, uh, like or whatever. And by the end of it, he goes, I think I see a necessity for you to have medical marijuana. And I'm like, all right, well, I sure did pay for this service. Like, so really, it's always kind of rubbed me since my first experience that it wasn't taken seriously. Like if it was going to be approved medically, that it should be taken seriously, um, that people should have rights, by the way, when it comes to it. Um, I think it's kind of amazing that you can still get kicked out of your apartment for smoking weed on your patio, for example, even if you have a medical card, like that's not protected. So there's still a lot of strange stuff around it that I don't even really feel it's truly legal in a sense, like even medically. And a lot of that is because of federal stuff, which mucks things up. So it's just like, a, all right, federally, what do we do? Do we just make it like whole hog legal or do we make it just medically? And that's where I thought it would be fun to get into some of these pros and cons. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, what we will do here is kind of go, th- um, as as we just said, go through uh, some of the pros and cons. Um, based on the number in this article, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to touch on all of them today, but that's what we have a podcast for. We can do this again. And also, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to spread all of these links on our social media as well. Um, but yeah, let's uh, dive into uh, the first one here. And that uh, on the procon.org article, uh, article here and that's talking about how you know legalized marijuana can affect the economy um yeah you were gonna say oh yeah basically um there are some interesting facts on both sides marijuana legalization could boost the economy uh just to throw something out there that it does say the marijuana industry the marijuana industry and that is adult use and medical so it's saying medical and rec yep. in the United States could exceed 24 billion in revenue by 2025. That's for every $1 spent in the mar- in the marijuana industry between $2.13 and $2.40 in economic activity is generated. And that's like tourism, banking, food, real estate, construction. You know, so there are some interesting points that it could be good for society. Then I guess on the other side, there's also some points that it could be bad, um, Mm -hmm. that legalizing marijuana actually creates steep costs for society and taxpayers that outweigh those benefits we just talked about. And so, yes, so you can use that information to say, oh, it's great for this. And then I guess the counter argument is, is that it actually can cause upticks in harm. Um, there's societal costs of marijuana. And this goes back to the same irresponsible behavior with alcohol, which is still legal. going to point that out, that this is getting into that stuff where it says that, you know, well, but alcohol is legal, but this is still your reason for keeping this illegal. So shouldn't we be making alcohol illegal again? Because it says, you know, more victims of drugged driving accidents have been shown to happen in places where it's legal. But of course it is, especially if it's not being treated seriously, right? Because it goes into a using it responsibly because it is an intoxicant. And when people first go, wee, 
like it does kind of make sense to me that accidents and misuse would go up. And and the, that is kind of the disingenuousness of of the argument here from people that are looking to, um, you know, to keep this illegal. And and that's the fact that you know when when people are talking about legalizing weed, we understand that there comes you know that there are going to be some societal limits to it. You know, similar to alcohol. Do you want a fourteen year old kicking back with a six pack of beer? Of course not. Are you going to be cool with somebody, um, you know, like you know smoking? through like a pound of weed and then going off and driving on the highway? Of course not. You would hope that they would be punished for doing something that's stupid. But, you know, as, as the con here in the argument shows for alcohol as well, I mean, it happens for that too. And, and like, again, humans have been on this planet for millennia and humans have throughout this time found substances to use um, one way or the other. Making it illegal will not make it go away. There will never be a time on this planet where no humans are using a substance for, you know, either recreational purposes or for other medicinal purposes as well. It, and, and it, you know, th- does that mean I think every single drug should be free? No, I mean, crystal meth no i don't think that should be sold on shelves but you know when 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 we're talking about something like marijuana where with the studies that are out show that it does you know not only does it have some good positive benefits but that the negative benefits are no more as bad than alcohol it's like why why keep it illegal Right. And it goes back to if the argument for, you know, alcohol is bad under these same situations and we keep it legal is that people should have the right to choose whether or not they use it poorly, then it's funny because that's the same people usually that are against legalizing marijuana, like the same people that support the idea that you should have that free will and that you've got a right to make poor decisions to use substances incorrectly will use that to support alcohol. But then we'll use the same weird numbers that you would get mixing any intoxicant with any activity to say, well, this is why this should remain illegal. I'm one of those odd birds that I don't necessarily think drugs should be illegal. Like, I I could understand possibly some punishment for selling them, right? Because, like, if you're not, you know, somebody who should be selling something, we already have, like, a lot of backing for why laws like that exist, but I, I am one of those people that kind of along the lines of I think keeping it criminalized actually hinders a lot of people getting help in situations. So making the use part legal or at least decriminalized could still help, but you can still criminalize the behavior of selling it. And that's where I think a lot of people almost get it muddled with the conversation that it's got to be both things that are illegal. So again, it goes toward this argument, like uh, making it illegal to sell so that people can't have it where they shouldn't. Is like, you know, a lot of states, like you can't sell backyard whiskey, right? Like if we're going to keep comparing it to alcohol, where it's a little bit more easier to see where it aligns, um, you know, I can't make backyard hooch and sell it, guys. I just can't. It's not legal here. I mean, in te- there are states that have loopholes. I will point that out because in <laughs> Texas, you can make moonshine. You are not allowed to sell it, but you can give it as a gift. And yes, I have tried backyard moonshine and oh my God, it is strong and terrible. Yeah. Um, it is not a force to be reckoned with and deserves its own level of education and warning <laughs> before you have it. 
that is probably the drunkest I ever was in my, actually probably the most intoxicated I ever was in my entire life with any substance. I'll put it out there. That was cray cray bananas. So, you know, it just kind of goes to the, the same arguments being used are confusing as shit. Because it doesn't make sense, you know, um, you know, and and again, like, take a, take a look at some, like, imagine a person, if a person had like a semi truck full of cigarettes in their home, don't you think the government's going to be knocking on their door too? I mean, it's already known that if you have large amounts of substances like that, you know, uh, you know, the government kind of views that as a bad thing. So like, as far as the legality of it, if somebody has like 400 pounds of weed on their property. Like, yeah, I can understand, you know, people stepping in and saying, maybe you don't need that much, but I don't know. Let's go into the next argument here. And oh, you were going to say something. Yeah. Oh, well, really just about it, just to mostly summarize it, because this was one of those pros and cons that I felt like super conflicted and it was kind of confusing the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. But essentially there's just kind of conflicting information on the effects this has on teen marijuana use. There is a study through Washington University School of Medicine that found that the rates of marijuana use by young people are falling, despite the fact that more states are legalizing or decriminalizing marijuana use. And the number of adults using it is going up. But then there are also conflicting studies that are finding a percentage of 12 to 17 year olds using marijuana is actually higher in every legal state than the national average. So it's comparing a national average, which is, you know, a macro environment to state, which is more of a micro environment. But this is where it's like, I almost don't want to go into it too much because me personally, I would think this would get more clear with the more states legalizing it, right? Mm-hmm. As far as what the overall effect is going to have like on our culture as a total, um, that can matter too. So it almost just seems like there's not enough information to say whether it would in fact increase in teen use or if it would in fact decrease in <coughs> teen use you know, alcohol is getting a little less cool as it seems and stuff like that. Smoking cigarettes has gotten less cool. So it just kind of depends on how the teens are raised around it, I think. Right. Because as uncool as smoking cigarettes are, or uh, smoking cigarettes are alcohol use. It's less cool, but it's still pretty cool for how long that's been kind of known to be bad in excess. So I don't know. It's just interesting stuff out there. I I think one thing I would be interested in finding out um, between um, both of these points is how the studies got these numbers. Um, Because a lot of times I found with, you know, when it comes to organizations, um, political groups that are against particular ideas, sometimes they can find studies or manipulate findings to make numbers seem like they mean something when they don't necessarily mean that. Um, So just doing a little more research into the types of studies uh, that were done here would would be interesting. Now, I I think the only thing I can think of would be like, if if the numbers truly did go up for people in states where marijuana is legalized, I mean, technically, I guess I can kind of see that if the number of adult uh, customers of these drug dealers has gone down, wouldn't the number of the other side technically go up? That's what I would think too. Um, And just so you know, like pro three and con three 
kind of the same situation, but instead of te- teen use, it has to do with traffic accidents and deaths. Uh-huh. Um, so again, it almost seems like the difference between, you know, the one saying alcohol DUIs didn't go up or whatever um, when marijuana was legalized is looking, I guess, at overall trends, whereas some of the opposing side will use these smaller, like more state to state information. So it's like almost how is it good to tell whether or not it would actually be harmless to make it legal recreationally? Right. Because if traffic deaths are going up in the states and if teen use does actually go up in the states are those not valid points for not making it recreationally legal because again i think this is talking about states that have legalized it because that's the term they used here Uh Um, so to me that's more than just medical shops that is fully legal but again though but as, as we said though when it comes to stuff like this if we are talking about a person that is using marijuana and then going off and driving their car on the highway and get into an accident throw the book at them i'm not arguing that and if we're talking people that are you know using it in an irresponsible way there should be punishment i think you know hopefully based on the severity of the punishment that would be something that would deter folks cross fingers but even with alcohol it's it's been proven that you know no matter how much you throw at people with alcohol there's still going to be people that are going to drink and drive because they think i got this Right. It's so funny because we enable that situation so much more with alcohol than we do marijuana. Like I've lived in a number of states since being open to using it medically, recreationally, what have you. But um, I have never lived in a state where you were actually allowed to go to a cannabis connoisseur type place like a cigar bar, but for weed, be able to use it and then leave. Mm-hmm. that's still not legal anywhere, but yet bars can be like on every corner of a main street. So again, it goes into that weird conflict that you, they, they kind of would, ha- you'd think they would have the similar prohibition, so to speak on alcohol, um, you know, but, and you, you keep saying stuff like, you know, if you smoke like a pound of weed or whatever, and then get behind the wheel, But And then you talk about it like, yeah, sure, that's also a very fair reason to keep some restrictions, recreationally speaking, and why you should have the book thrown at you for making a bad choice. But hey, you can also have the book thrown at you for taking your legal prescription that you take and you know you're not supposed to drive at least for so long after you take it and then you do drive and then you have an accident. There are repercussions for that. So I'm kind of with you on that, that that in and of itself is not a good reason to keep something completely 100% illegal. Um, Whether or not you think it is fair enough evidence on the state level to support maybe not recreational off the bat, or at the very least setting rules around it, medically speaking. So again, it's like if you take your Xanax and then go to drive home and it takes effect and you have an accident, you're not just excused from that. Or if you get pulled over for reckless driving behavior and they find out you've taken a higher dose of your anti-anxiety med that you know that you need it, but you can't drive after you take it, you will still have a driving while under the influence. So yeah, it just, I'm not sure that that is a fair argument against it when we do have other situations and other things that are recreationally legal that lead to the same situation. So I'm not sure how effective those are as cons to me. Um, I'm, I'm just unsure. 
(laughs) Yeah. I mean, because again, what they're ultimately trying to argue is that, you know, bad stuff happens when people use it. So people should not use it. And like you could say to your point, yeah, you can say the same thing for alcohol, but it's already been proven that there are people that can, that can use alcohol even on a regular basis and use it responsibly and be functional members of society. And you can say the same thing for people that use drugs. I've known people that that have used some hardcore drugs that are still functioning members of society. I don't recommend it, but you know, it happens. Right. Like it's not the, it's not the thing that I would tell my friend to do is start medicating, like self-medicating with hardcore shit. But I mean, Mm. that being said, I've known friends who had prescription medicines for stuff that would intentionally misuse it from time to time, particularly looking at like ADD medication, like, you know, because you could take more Mm. (laughs) if you really wanted to like do that and maybe get in a really awesome study session and cram for a test, which is so stinking normal for people that have that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but anything can be abused to the point where it's unhealthy and it goes kind of to where people get cranky about having soda tax and taxes on unhealthy foods. And again, it's that same argument, right? People should have the right to choose to do unhealthy things. So you can overuse fast food. Granted, it's not going to be as directly like you can't relate it to like, I've never had so much chicken nugget that I started swerving into oncoming traffic. I mean, granted, (laughs) something could be said to like, if you're, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess there's something to be said if you're distracted driving, that's different. That's, that's not getting intoxicated by the food to that level, but there is kind of a point to be made about the distracted driving and how many people are eating fast food while driving and how that can even cause accidents and harm. But we still haven't really even cracked down on that. Like I've never seen an officer pull somebody over for eating while driving. I've never been pulled over for eating while driving. Granted, it's something I have since kind of enlightened myself on and I don't do it anymore because I realized it was kind of dumb, but like nobody uh, like punished me for it. I just kind of went, oh, okay. Yeah. I see how statistically this could make it slightly more likely for me to have an accident. So maybe I should stop doing that. Yeah. You have a triple burger from Wendy's in one hand and you got your other hand on the wheel and you're driving 70 on the highway. Not so safe. <laughs> right. And then uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to move on here to the yep. next one here. And that's so as I legal yeah. marijuana is regulated for consumer safety. And then what's funny is, of course, the counter argument is marijuana is addictive and dependence on the drug will increase with legalization. And these are ones I just can't even read too seriously. It almost kind of reminds me of the sex work debate that we have had on here before, because that's just an inherent pro of legalizing anything Mm -hmm. is that it's going to make it safer because then it can fall under rules with either like whatever it is, if it's the FDA or if it's surgical procedures, you know, same concept applies to abortion. Yep. Um, you know, you could say abortion should have never been legalized because look at all of the harm it did while being unregulated and done by people outside of their homes. Right. Like if you're going to use that argument, it doesn't make sense when legalizing it does kind of tend to make things safer. Think about the days, though, before legal uh, legal weed, when, you know, you had to buy it uh, from a dealer and whatnot, and how many times you would buy a bag full of shake or all stems or something like that. With it being regulated, you have a much better chance of getting quality material. 
Oh yeah, I got a story. I remember <laughs> very vividly. It was I won't say where they worked for, but my one of my exes worked at a very prominent tech company. And um, I still remember they all knew the Domino's delivery guy. And the Domino's <laughs> delivery guy, you would text him. He would come to your house with his backpack, lay out all of the shit. Like, I remember the first time that happened was, like, the first time I had ever actually purchased, like, weed for myself. And I was like, this feels so gangster. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like the like, you know what I mean? Like I just, it just so felt outside of my world because it was just a, such a strange way to do an interaction. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so like, but that was the guy. That, but everybody knew him, and so basically, it was by word of mouth that he had established this trust. But if you don't have that, and especially if you are wanting to use it for something medical in your personal life, like you want, you've read on it, and you want to try your best to use it therapeutically, like that's a really scary way, an intimidating way to try to get something. And in some states, where even it's been made legal, you know, kind of like what I said, the situation in Arizona, like Uh it was only medical at the time. And there was still kind of this semi back alley way of getting it that wasn't super helpful. So yeah. And that was also a lot with, they were kind of fighting it because it had already been voted for and passed, but you know, they could only fight it to so uh, like such a point and it still be realistic because it had passed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's gotten a lot better in Arizona, you know, now that it's actually been, you know, opened up a bit more, you can actually go in and walk into a dispensary and my God, you walk into a dispensary now and it is like a conversation with a, a pharmacist about trying something over the counter. Like most of them are actually educated they know what to suggest if you're dealing with insomnia, you know, versus if you're dealing with anxiety, you know, you're not going to want something that's going to like wire you. A, a lot of it, you know, in my time of getting into medical use, I had to do a lot of research myself because I didn't have that person to talk to. Mm-hmm. I had the growers, which were a lot of bros, were like, yeah, I got a, a wicked sticky indica hybrid sativa diesel fuel or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what that means. So, you know, you had to learn if you didn't want to accidentally spike your anxiety because, you know, a lot of people with anxiety, if they take a sativa leaning, it can make the anxiety worse because they usually thrive better on an indica that is more sedative and brings you down some. Um, Speaking of that, before we move on to the next one here, you did have an interesting story about how a particular strain got its name. Yes, I was going to bring it up probably. I'm assuming we might have to break this off into two just because it's kind of a fun conversation. Mm. But, you know, some of the stuff that it's been used for and ah, what the hell, I'll just go ahead and mention it now. I will preface that this is a blog, but it is on Harvard's website. Um, where this one guy was talking about essentially that there are kind of a lot of interesting conversations amongst patients where it shows that it is helpful. And the article amongst many things like bringing up PTSD and veterans, how it can help there. And basically since veteran PTSD can be quite similar to other forms of PTSD and CPTSD, like there's actually a lot of stuff that shows that this could be a helpful use medically. And Mm -hmm. one of the darling stories from the beginning was a strain called Charlotte's Web. And it's actually about Charlotte's Web. If you've ever seen that strain in the store is named after Charlotte Figgy. Mm. Now, um, 
super sad story. She did end up passing away at 13, but it was not because of medical marijuana use. It was very much because she had a very intense form of epilepsy. Um, let me go and find like just my notes really quick because I want to just cover the wave tops of it, but I don't want to misquote her story because it's, it's, I like, this is when I wanted to get the facts right. right. But Charlotte became the face of the medicinal CBD movement when she was five years old, um, after it appeared that taking CBD eased the symptoms of her epilepsy. Her, she had her first seizure at three months old. Soon after, her parents were told that she had Dravet syndrome, which is a very rare form of epilepsy that starts in mm. infancy. By age five, she was having over 300 seizures a week, mm. about one in every 30 minutes, uh, Miss Fiji said. Charlotte was in a wheelchair and used a feeding tube because she couldn't swallow. And on several occasions, she was resuscitated after her heart had stopped. The family had tried dozens of medications and worked with doctors, but they couldn't find anything that worked. Um, nothing pharmaceutically. They actually got told by a doctor, there's nothing left to pharmaceutically try. So then the mom started to look into CBD, like some of the research on that, which is, you know, most of us know now that that's the non-intoxicating, non-psychotropic compound in cannabis. Uh -huh. And um, she actually did not believe it was going to work, but it did. Charlotte did not have any seizures for seven days after starting the treatment. Um, she started talking, making eye contact, walking, and they removed her feeding tube. The seizures were reduced to about one a month. So going from 300 a week to one a month. And yeah, actually, yeah. that was a lot of what led to some eye-opening stuff about some of these compounds actually being accepted. And actually, in 2011, Charlotte's Web CBD um, got officially founded by Joel Stanley, who was the hemp grower who helped Charlotte. He actually was the one to crossbreed to kind of make the first well-known CBD only strain. Like he helped make that happen, named it after her. And that helped lead to in 2018, the food and drug administration approved a cannabinoidal. I don't think I'm saying that right at all, but it's a cannabinoid, cannabinoid, God, cannabinoid or whatever you call it, uh, based medication. And it's to treat seizures caused by Dravet syndrome. So it's the first drug to be approved by the FDA for that condition specifically. And I always thought that was a really, really neat story. Uh, yeah. And we are close to uh, the point here of uh, wrapping up, but um, there's, there is plenty of proof out there that there are some great uses for uh, marijuana. As, as I've said before, as you have said before, uh, when it comes to people taking it recreationally, if they don't use it responsibly and do something stupid, by all means, throw the book at them. But we need to take a look at how we're also doing that because, um, you know, there are plenty of documentaries out there uh, detailing uh, the war on drugs. Uh, which was started by Richard Nixon um, and, and how that has been used over the years as a way to, um, you know, imprison more and more minority people. Um, yeah. You know, sadly, the drugs that, that we tend to start demonizing in this country throughout the years have been ones that have normally been more popular in, in minority communities. Like look at cocaine and look at crack. They're essentially the same drug. They're, they're, you have to, they're processed in different ways and either you, have, you use them in different ways, but they're essentially the same drug. Cocaine being a drug that was popular among white people 
you got a far less severe prison sentence than you did, um, t- uh, you know, compared to people that were arrested for crack. And that, you know, thankfully was, uh, you know, th- uh, under President Obama, the disparity on that was taken taken care of. But you know, when it comes to weed, yeah, and and stuff like also mandatory uh, sentences, the three strikes laws, there are so many ways that just simple possession of even a joint or two could put people in prison for long periods of time. And the fact that we know. We know in the bottom of our hearts now that weed is no more dangerous than, you know, alcohol, yet this stuff's happening. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. And it does just, uh, to that point, like actually pro number six was talking about, you know, uh, the idea that at least decriminalizing it um, is in and of itself an act of removing some of that racist element of enforcement because Mm -hmm. it does disproportionately impact communities and people of color to enforce these laws the way that we do today. And so, I don't know, I think I'm still a little bit not super convinced that straight full bore legalization is like necessarily the answer, but I can at least say like medically, I kind of still wish we would make it a little bit more clear and make it like it should be covered by health insurance if it's medically legal. And I think that can be a reality if we at least decriminalize it. At, at bare minimum, there needs to be uh, the, the government needs to officially announce that it's not as because right now um, it based on its classification, the government, the, the government officially thinks that like marijuana and heroin are the same type of substance, you know, and they are not. And because of that, a lot of a lot of like educators, a lot of scientists are not able to do the studies on it that they can with stuff like alcohol. So one part of decriminalizing would allow more studies about the effect. And again, it is a drug. Overuse of any drug will lead to bad things. No one is arguing that, and no one is arguing that people that overdo it shouldn't be punished. But it's not going to go away if you make it illegal. It's just not. Exactly. And it's just uh, kind of, there's there's just so much that we could there provide. Is. We probably could just still keep continuing this and maybe just put a pin in it for now because there's so much interesting stuff further in this list that I know I want to get into, mm-hmm. like uh, about some of those supposed an inability to prove that it does anything medically that actually seems to contradict some things that we do know where it can help medically. So I don't know. What do you say? Do you want to try to continue this or do we kind of feel decided on it? Uh, No, I definitely want to continue this. Um, I don't know if we're going to do this next week, but that's the beauty of what we're doing now. We can just, you know, do what we talk about. Exactly. And maybe we can talk a little bit more of the medical side, like where it's at least looking really, really good medically. We can finish up some of the list, though, with uh, some of the recreational stuff, too. Indeed. And a little foreshadowing for you folks out there that you listen to Hump Day this coming Wednesday on Hump Day with him and the professor. The professor and I are going to have a a more talk about drugs in general um, and and just a a different side of a conversation. So we are definitely going to be uh, continuing that. Yay. Talking. I just like having the conversations because, I mean, I just don't think anybody's necessarily wrong 100% on this one. Um, I think there's a lot of perspectives out there. There are a lot of fair perspectives for keeping it illegal, but I just don't agree that it's necessarily the best way to go. 
Yeah, and and then to be clear, I mean, I, I think it some of the concerns from the you know keep it illegal folks, I definitely share. You know, because if we do have a situation to where people are abusing it more, then we need to you know in terms of we need to find funds to make sure they get the treatment they need, and we also need um, to I, I I don't know. There's just a lot of meat on the bone here for this topic that, you know, tackling it in an hour, we're not going to tackle it within an hour. We need to do a multi-part series, baby. <laughs> exactly. So we'll continue it. Maybe talk a little bit more about why it is important medically. And also one point I want to throw out there just while it's fresh on our noodles, all of this stuff that's saying it should stay illegal because abuse of it would go up actually more leans towards the importance of our mental health as a society than I think it actually does support the argument that we should keep it illegal. Uh Because if you're not doing well mentally, you're either going to keep looking for other things that are intoxicants. I mean, come on, look at like all of the stuff that's come across that was technically legal in for a second because of all in the name of getting high, right? There's the bath salts, there was potpourri for a hot second, and that like made some kid blind, I think. So it's like it seems like we're going to have this drive to find things like this as long as there's that kind of underlying thing that we kind of have like a mental hygiene issue in our culture. Yeah, which, again, we will uh, definitely talk about again on this show. So anything else you want to talk about in regards to marijuana? Uh, No, I'm actually going to leave it here for the day and and we'll save the cool blog article and some of the medical specific stuff for next time we talk about it. Indeed, indeed. And um, yeah, like we also said, too, we'll we'll put uh, uh, this information up on our Facebook page. Uh, Definitely check it out there. And remember, March 8th is going to be the debut of the TNT Review. Whoop, whoop. You get to hear us talk about a show for much longer than the episode lasted. <laughs> uh, indeed. I got no problem doing that. And I, I, one thing I got to say, too, is that once we finally discovered um, how, the right way for us to review uh, with, with Big Mouth Season 5, I mean, that, you know, I think the reviews have been going amazing. And I can't wait until, uh, you know, we dive into our first show for the TNT review. F is for family. Exactly. I think we learned a lot, too, because there's trends that I'd like to keep looking out for so that we've got some consistency in our reviews. Uh, For example, I had had the idea of talking about callbacks, like making notes when there's solid callbacks that happen throughout a season or even callbacks back to prior seasons and things like that, because it's really awesome when things are successful like that. And I think that does matter when you're reviewing a show, when they pull off stuff like that, because it's easy to try to throw in a joke, but not realize that nobody's catching that it's a callback that I think it's really beautiful when it's nailed, especially when a series goes on for as long as some of these do. Yeah, and especially, too, for the types of shows that we're going to review. I mean, the shows that we're going to review are going to be more um, the 10 to 12 episode type streaming, um, essentially the British way of doing things. So following how they do, um, you know, take, you know, continuing storylines over many seasons is going to be something we definitely want to keep an eye on. Also, too, one thing I thought of when I did take my notes for episode one on F is for Family, the time difference, you know, uh, like, because, like, you know, thinking about, like, uh, simple thing as a color tv in your generation you probably didn't have to worry about like black and white maybe you did 
Yep, I got to correct you. I was a yep. farm girl in Texas. <laughs> I was a farm kid. We had black and white TV. I remember getting a color set. So in mm-hmm. a weird way, F is for family because Texas being kind of 20 years behind everybody was my <laughs> joke, is I relate so hard to the raising of the 70s. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, there was a lot of it that really hit with me. So I'm actually super excited to dive in for F is for family because it is super putting the F in dysfunctional. But there's a lot of stuff that's super relatable that I think oh, we're yeah. going to dig into it in a lot of ways like we did with Big Mouth, where we nerd out kind of on that psychological level and find ways that we related to the show. So like, was it successful in relating to us and stuff like that is probably going to factor in a lot of our review talk. I, I, indeed. And I, I will tell you from the very first episode, I mean, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about because initially being a different type of show compared to Big Mouth, that was like a fear like uh, of mine. Like, would we find enough topics? But then I, I don't know if you saw my notes yet or not. A lot of notes. There's a lot we're going to talk about. Oh, and just wait, because it's one of those where I have already seen the entire series. It is finished. So I'm excited that we're doing series that are finished now so that we kind of know when the end of that's going to be. So tag along with us. I think it's going to be a fun ride, kind of unpacking and responding overall to Big Mouth and how it makes us feel and if it was an enjoyable experience. Indeed, indeed. That is going to be on March 8th, the TNT review. But um, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up here for thank you all for joining us for another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. Each Saturday in this podcast space, we're going to have something to entertain your ear holes until we meet again. We bid you adieu. Do your taxes. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.